ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dame's Dropback Podcast. I'm your host, Damian Bartonic, and today I have a very special guest via Zoom. Today, I'm joined by NFL draft expert, offensive line technician, and football connoisseur. I'm joined by my man, Matt Valdivinos from Pro Football Network. Matt, my man, how you doing today, brother? I'm always feeling good. It's a good time. Excited to be here. Uh, I'm feeling great. I love the Texas Rangers jersey. Unfortunately, the viewers won't see it, but I love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just over there visiting the field for my birthday last week. And it's a Ooh, beautiful, how was it? It's a beautiful field, bro. It is a beautiful mm-hmm. field. It's gorgeous. I've seen pictures. I'm excited to get there eventually. Yeah, hey man, you might have to catch the Rangers out there when they go to Philly, though. Go see the Philly. That, the yeah, I, yeah, I definitely, that's my favorite part about living in Philly is they've got one of every, they've got a bad, an NBA team, an NHL team, an MLB team, and an NFL. Now, granted, I don't go see any games, any Eagles yeah. games, because I'm not trying yeah. to die. Uh, but all the <laughs> other ones are cool. All the other ones are cool. I love going to Philly's games. Love going to Sixers game. I almost went to a Sixers playoff game the other day. Um, game one versus the Wizards, so... Yeah, yeah and, it's great. And we're both Washington football team fans, but hey, I, you might get a little bit of slander if you slander the Wizards, man. You got to be careful. You know what I mean? Hey, yeah, I'm just yeah, – I'm not that? a Sixers fan. You know me. Yeah. I'm just going to enjoy some basketball. <laughs> yeah, brother. I'm, I'm excited to have you on the show. You know, I love mm-hmm. your coverage on the NFL year-round. Thank you. you thank know? you. And you're definitely someone, you know, I know, you know, man-to-man, you know, dogs respect dogs, and I, and I know one day you're going to do big things in this industry, thank whether you, it's in you, media, uh, on the field, bro. I, I can't wait to see you grow, brother. It's going to be dope. Uh, I appreciate you. And I want to kind of kick this off, you know, immediately, bro. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, for all the listeners today, we're going to be discussing the trenches. So Matt and I is going to be talking about, you know, all things NFL from the rookie class of offensive linemen uh, to the Washington football team's kind of current offensive line group and their draft a little bit. And then at the end, we're going to discuss the Memphis Grizzlies. That's his favorite team. I love John Morant. Uh, you know, for those of the listeners, I cover the Spurs for Alamo as well. So we're going to talk a little bit of hoops to kind of finish it off. Uh, so before we start, uh, go ahead and follow Matt on Twitter at MV Scouting. Uh, follow the podcast at Dame's Drawback. And let's hop right into this episode. But I want to kind of start with the Texas moment a little bit. Uh, my man is from El Paso. Uh, I'm from Austin, San Antonio area. I uh, kind of float around a little bit. Uh, being that you're a Texan, we're both Texans. Uh, what is your go-to Whataburger order? So this is, I saw this on the, the planner, and this is the, the best question I've ever been asked on a podcast <laughs> by far. I've been trying to tell people that Whataburger is the goat. My... Uh, co-host Dalton Miller for a lot of stuff that we've done together. He was always slandering Whataburger. He's like, bro, it's not that good. Uh, he cat. went out, he had a bunch of people. He was like, yo, I have people over. We're going to have Whataburger in the internet. We're going to decide who's better. And he knew after eating them, he was fully aware about which burger was better. And he was reluctant to tell him, but it was Whataburger. <laughs> I've been telling people. Um, so I know that some, so my Whataburger order, it's very El Paso. Um, I don't know if they actually have this in San Antonio and Austin, because sometimes uh-huh. it's iffy on when I'm in Dallas on whether Whataburger have it. Yeah. Uh, it's a Spicy green chili double um, with cheese. Okay. Crazy, crazy with half <laughs> green chili. Oh, my goodness. With some spicy ketchup on it, fries, and a large strawberry shake. That is my go-to. Bro, Anytime is- I'm in El Paso, I've never visited El Paso without getting that meal. Uh-huh. Um, I'm lactose intolerant. Uh, I've been eating healthy. <laughs> I've, I've been dropping weight. I'm still, that's the first thing I do when I get to El Paso at the end of June is that's the first thing every time. Uh, if I'm lucky, the Dallas airport's got the green chili in stock, and I get that on my yeah. way there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that is that is one of my all time favorite things, not just from Waterbury. That's one of my favorite things to just eat in general. It just reminds me of home. Yeah, brother, that's that's an interesting order. So me personally, I don't like ice cream. Like I don't I'm not really a big mm-hmm. like sugar mm-hmm. person, um, but I can respect that because, bro, that's that's a, that's interesting. The spicy green. I, I respect the spicy on spicy with the spicy yep. ketchup as well. Crazy spicy ketchup for y'all don't know that goaded goaded elite they came out with that like six years ago five years ago in the little like black containers yep. crazy yeah I've, i bought my dad so many jars so many uh <laughs> like they, when they started selling in the, the grocery stores yeah 
goaded. Do they sell it up there in Philly too or no? No, I no. wish. I um, wish. I've had some imported. I've had my dad mail me some. Imported. I like oh, it. Yes. I like we've it. Had, we've had hatch green chilies imported, Mexican food. There's this randomly, there's this gas station in the El Paso area called Pickwick. Uh-huh. Uh, and the Las Cruces, New Mexico area. There's some in Albuquerque. Uh-huh. And they've got this place called Santa Fe Grill. Um, yeah. It's just a flat top grill and a bunch of different, you know, ingredients. And they make the craziest be- breakfast burritos I've ever had. Um, and I didn't realize I was going to miss those as bad as I would miss them when I moved up here. So the second time I went back down to visit, we started buying them in bulk, <laughs> freezing them that day, then uh-huh. dropping them in a cooler and bringing the cooler as a carry-on on our flight. Oh, and we would bring elite. it back home. Yeah, it was crazy. They were that's so good. Elite. Yeah, nah, I'm, I'm digging it, brother. I like I like all that. I'm digging it. I, my mm-hmm. Whataburger orders is a little bit different. Uh, my favorite is the Buffalo Ranch Chicken Strip Sandwich. Add bacon, uh, fries, and then you, I got to do the root beer light ice. I understand. Yep, yeah, got you. Yeah. I definitely am with the root beer life. <laughs> but let's go ahead and kick it off. I'm I'm glad. Man, this Whataburger just makes everything the vibe. I'm, I'm a huge Whataburger stand. Yeah, it's just like, that, it, yeah. it makes everything better. You know mm-hmm, what I mean? But mm-hmm. I wish I had some right now. Yeah, facts, facts. Uh <laughs> So we know a passion for yours, you know, is scouting for the NFL draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, but specifically, you know, personally, you're one of my favorite offensive line experts that I follow. Uh, in my opinion, you know, this year's offensive line class was littered with depth and a, and a lot of pretty solid talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did your, you know, your top five offensive line list look like on draft night and has it changed since? Uh, so offensive line in total hasn't changed since. Um, they usually don't, my grades don't typically change uh, unless the only time that really happens is if I'm, going through the draft and someone gets drafted who I don't know, I go out and watch them just to make sure. And typically it's only for Washington because if another team drafts a player, I don't know. Odds are that player is not going to be really, really great. Not to do my own horn, but it just means that we are getting late into day three. Right. Yeah. Um, we're only guys like Dane Brugler who does prospect like 600 prospects a year. Yeah. Uh, Mark Jarvis, right. Guys like that who are really in that life. Mm-hmm. Um, but and I watch them, and if I think that they're so good that I'll add them up later, then maybe. But typically, the grades don't change after the draft. Um, but my top five OL in total between offensive tackles and interior guys mm-hmm. would be uh, Sewell, Penny Sewell, one, Christian Darsaw, two, Sam Cosme, three, um, Rayshon Slater, four, and then Creed Humphrey, five. Oh, I like I like the Creed Humphrey. That's interesting. Me, mm-hmm. uh, it was a little bit different. I had uh, Sewell and Darsaw up there as well, uh, Slater as well. Um, I like Landon Dickerson a lot personally. Mm-hmm, I just feel mm-hmm. like he's going to be a really solid. Well, I'll, yep. I'll talk about him later on, uh, but I feel like he's going to be like a really solid, like ten-year player. Like I, 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 I think he's healthy. in a great spot in Philly too. I think yeah. that's so good. A hundred percent. Yeah. So I really like that for him. Yeah, and that's why like I was. It's a little. Mine's a little bit different, but I definitely can respect that, especially with the Creed Humphrey. Uh, mm-hmm. If you were to mind though, brother, kind of break him down a little bit for me because I wasn't too familiar with him. I did like him uh, a little bit, I'm, but I didn't watch a crazy amount of tape on him just because, mm-hmm. you know, Washington and center wasn't a huge. Need. Yeah, exactly. Um, with Creed, he's a guy who's, he's been, he's four year starter in the big 12. Um, Could have been a first round pick a year ago. Yeah. Chose to come back. Mm-hmm. Wasn't a first round pick this year. Actually kind of slid a little bit. Um, there were concerns about the functional athletic ability, but he's a dude who, when Oklahoma had the best offensive line in the entire nation, when he was a redshirt freshman, they had four linemen get drafted that year. He was yep. the best player on that offensive line yeah. as a 19 year old. Right. So this is a guy who's been expected to be an NFL draft pick for a while now. Uh, and he, he just shows that he's a guy who started so many games. He spent so much time playing the position that he's really almost perfected the nuances already that you ask of him. He's never going to be an elite Jason Kelsey type of mover, right. Where he's, you're going to ask him to pull, you're going to ask him to get out in space, yeah. but high football IQ, 
uh, really, really strong functional play strength, holds his anchor really, really well. I just have so little concerns with him. And the thing that yeah. I, my, my biggest issue with him at Dickerson is with Dickerson, we're talking about four season ending injuries, right? Yeah. So that concern is automatically built into his, and I don't think Dickerson's a great athlete with Humphrey mm. either, right? So it's, mm. it, so that was all, that red flag was already built in with Landon Dickerson. These are two guys that I had in my top 40, right? Two guys that I really, really liked. Um, Creed had a first round pick, Landon Dickerson, I think ended up with a super, super early second round grade. Um, a great not pick. I apologize. And yeah. so with Creed, he just, just edged him out. I think Landon would have been that six or seven spot. I'm not hundred percent sure off the top of my head though. Yeah. And for me personally, uh, you spoke about how he, you know, Creed really performed at a really young age. Mm-hmm. Uh, another guy that I really, really liked that I saw kind of play really well on the right side, you know, at a young age was Sam Cosme, a guy that yep. you were really high on as well. Um, for me, that was kind of the guy that I feel rose the most when I watched him. Uh, because the first thing I was reading whenever I was, you know, first, you know, starting this process was, hey, he might not be the most uh, technically sound and, and, you know, in a true pass set, but athletically, he gives you so much to work with. Mm-hmm. And I agree with that. Was What was the prospect that really rose the most after you kind of broke him down? And which one fell the furthest if you had one that fell? So the one, ironically, the one that rose the most for me was Cosme. Um, you can ask a lot of people that I'm really close with. Going into the year, I did not like him at all. thought he was closer to OT10 because we talked about it. Like, yeah, he got all those physical tools. And I've always been a guy where elite physical tools, I think, are super important for a high-end tackle. Because mm-hmm. to be the best tackle in the league, you have to be a physical freak. Um, yeah. Either that or you have to be the most technically refined David Bakhtiari level, Mitchell Schwartz level, and college prospects just aren't that. Yep. Um, and so with a guy like Sam Cosme, I always saw the traits, right? The traits have always been there, but he was very, very raw um, going into this past season. And so there were there were a lot of concerns that I had with that. I thought the anchor was an issue um, when he played against really, really good competition like Caleb on Chase on against LSU um, last year. He struggled, right? Caleb on gave him that work and yeah. the dude kind of disappeared in the NFL. He really wasn't a ton as a rookie. So yeah. it concerned me with caused me that I was, I was just worried, you know, what is he going to be in the NFL when he's against NFL edge defenders who will take advantage of that anchor? But this year, you really, really saw steps in his development. You saw him work on that core strength. You saw him work on the consistency of his footwork and his slides. There's still some ugly there, but I think he really, really worked on his hands. And his hand usage gives him a lot of leanway with his with his arms because he's so good at keeping his chest clean and he's so good at locking into defenders. So I think that six, seven frame plays a lot for him. And when you have that quick feet, it's you have more room to, to make mistakes. And, and I talk about this a lot. One thing that's very underrated in offensive linemen is hip and ankle flexibility yeah. because if you, you don't need it to be great, right? You don't need great bend to be a good edge rusher, but it helps. Yeah. Um, and with an offensive lineman, you don't need great hip or ankle flexibility to be good, but it makes a really big difference when you're recovering in your pass set. If you make a mistake, being able to hold on on one hip on one ankle, being able to bend how you need to, uh, it helps prevent injuries and it helps create that anchor that maybe you don't already have. So I thought Cosme did a really, really good job throughout his final year showing that he can develop, that he can work on the spots that he did. And that's why he rose so high for me. He was a guy who was borderline a top 10 tackle going into the year and then ended up as my OT3 over a lot of people's favorite guy in Rayshon Slater. Yeah, Um, that's a great point. Yeah, keep going. So that's just where I kind of came into he, he really was one of the bigger risers. He was a guy who I was very, very low on. I didn't, I had a lot of conversations on Twitter um, where I was like, this is not a dude that I'm, I'm betting on anytime soon. And then go figure we get around to the draft time and he's a top 20 player on my board. They get him at 51 or 52, wherever they got him. Right. So mm-hmm. that's just, I mean, great value in my opinion, really, really great riser just on, on off of what he showed on film alone, not necessarily the traits. Cause I knew he had the traits, but it's that continuous development of his game. That was huge. Um, and as far as a faller, I think the biggest one for me was Tevin Jenkins. 
Mm-hmm. Um, someone that people really, really liked. And I didn't dislike Tevin Jenkins. I just had him at OT9. But going into the watch, some people that I really, really respect were just very high on him. Yeah. So my initial reaction, my initial impression of him prior to watching any film was, this dude's going to be a baller. This dude's going to dominate at the line of scrimmage. And he did. He was really, really good uh, moving people off the line of scrimmage. But I had some major concerns with the pass reps. I don't know if he's going to be able to play tackle in the NFL. And I'm really, really concerned because I didn't know if he was going to be able to play right tackle in the NFL much less be a day one starting left tackle like he's going to be in Chicago. Yeah. So that's that was that's huge concerns for me. Um, he his stock was one of the few who drops after the draft, right? Yeah. Um, I'm not going to change him in my rankings just because the rankings aren't necessarily based on landing spot. I'm not a fantasy analyst, right? I'm a draft guy. It's, it's how I mm. view these players straight up against each other. Mm. Um, but Jenkins, I think, was the guy who fell the most for me just because I believed he was better I was led to believe he was better than I ended up thinking he was not that saying he's not good or that anyone else's opinion is incorrect and mine is correct just personally how yeah. I ended up viewing him was different than what I had expected to based on the opinions I was getting from other people yeah and I like Tevin Jenkins as well it's not I don't think there was really like a true offensive tackle prospect that's you know was drafted within the first three rounds that I was like oh man he stinks <laughs> you're mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. you're like oh man he's just so overrated I there wasn't something like that for me the only thing that I would say and it's not really his fault because he got drafted early. Was was an Alex Leatherwood? I liked him as a second round pick. I thought yeah, it was lost. just taken kind of early. Yeah, he yeah. was just taken early, and and, yeah. and and that's not his fault. You know I what agree. I mean? Uh, but you know, like you mentioned with Cozy as well, uh, that athletic profile it just gives you so much to work with, and that's why whenever I've been on podcasts and they've asked me about him, I've told him straight up like, yeah, he's not the most polished, you know, as of today right now, but athletically he gives you so much to work mm-hmm. with. And um, I have another question about Cozy for you. Um, Cause I didn't really know how to really answer this. Um, are you worried about, you know, his pad level, him playing a little bit too high just because he is so big. Uh, or do you think that's mm-hmm. something that with, with coaching that he'll kind of work that and kind of uh, figure that out? Um, no, he's at that like six, seven spot, right? I, it starts to come into account. So a guy like Spencer Brown, who came out that some people really, really loved uh, mm-hmm. out of Northern Iowa. I had some concerns because at six foot nine, it actually, it does start to affect you. Right. Yeah. Um, I doubt we'll ever see a six foot 10 or six foot 11 star <laughs> NFL just because it's, it's so much to try and win the leverage battle yeah. um, with a guy like Kuzmi. Uh, I'm not too, too concerned. There's plenty of six, 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 seven tackles who yeah. have a fine pad level. Don't really struggle. He might get hit, you know, beat with a bull rush every now and then. And that's to be expected. Every offensive tackle loses a snap or two. Yeah. Um, it's just that the good ones only lose a snap or two. So that, that's what I think you're depending. Um, I think with his functional athletic ability, because he's able to use his leg muscles are so strong and so smooth and so quick. Um, that it shouldn't be too, too big a deal, but I mean, it'll definitely be something to look at. I think on the right side is probably a lot better for him in that mm-hmm. situation. Um, just because if he does lose on that bull rush quarterback has a little more time to react. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it should be fine. I don't think it should be a big deal with the six, seven frame. Yeah. And for development reasons as well, you move him onto the right side where he played well in college on that side. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you mentioned, he kind of gives the quarterback, he gives him a little bit more room for error. gives the quarterback kind of a little bit more room for error. And so for development reasons, Hey, it's kind of the best of both worlds. He's playing, right? He's playing yep. on the right side. Getting those snaps in. Yeah. And not only that, you know, he's learning the position. Hey, maybe he can't. I mean, he's shown the ability to switch, you know, left or right. So I think it was a smart move by Washington. We'll kind of talk about it later about, you know, kind of moving him to the right side for now. Uh, but it's a fantastic point. Like, hey, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of growth to be, you know, had here. And with a guy like Sam Cosme, I think, man, the sky's really the limit. Uh, and speaking of kind of that, we're kind of, I'm, I'm, I was, I'm projecting a little bit, but yeah. I want, I want to know, man. Considering playing time, scheme fit, you know, ceiling, what three offensive linemen from the 2021 draft class will have the best rookie season? And which do you feel will have the best careers if, you know, it is different? 
So I think with the rookies, uh, Sewell's going to be – Sewell's the number one guy for both lists. Um, he was my top-rated lineman in general. He was my fourth-rated prospect – or, sorry, my second-rated prospect. Um, just a guy who I was very, very high on throughout the entire process, a guy who I think, regardless of where he plays, he's going to be a, a phenomenal player. Um, yeah. For the rest of the rookies, Elijah Vera Tucker, guard mm-hmm. for the Jets. They're playing him at left guard. I think that's great for him. Uh, mm-hmm. Playing next to Mackie Becton is going to be really, really good. I think his skill set fits really naturally. So I think he's going to be a really, really strong rookie performer. I don't know if his functional play strength is good enough to be one of the best guys from this class when it's all said and done, but the athletic profile is. So it'll be interesting to see, um, but I do think he'll have a strong rookie season just by, A, the Jets offensive line was so bad last year. Uh, and so bad pretty recently that good play is going to be overvalued and overshun and they're going to be, you're going to play that narrative like, Oh, they brought in Elijah Vera Tucker. And now all of a sudden the offensive <laughs> line is playing, playing much better. Yeah. Not like, you know, not considering other factors. It's just kind of how <laughs> media turn things. Yeah. Um, but I do think he'll have a really, really good year. And then I think Humphrey as well, just because the chiefs completely retooled that offensive line. So the guards and tackles around him are very talented. We're playing in front of Pat Mahomes, right? You're, you're, playing with Andy Reid, one of the best, most ingenuity, one of the greatest play callers ever in general, yeah. I should say. Um, so I think he's just fit in a really, really good spot to just come in, start as a rookie and be the center for one of the top three offenses in the NFL, one of the top two teams, right? So again, he's just going to be the guy that everyone's going to be like, yo, look at this dude, because everyone's going to be watching this dude. Yeah. Um, for their careers though, give me Sewell, Darasaw second. He was the only dude who I viewed uh, comparable to Sewell in terms of talent. I think he's going to be a star. I think Minnesota stole him. I think yeah. Darsaw yeah. and Fields are probably the two best values in that entire first round, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, and then the other one, your guy landed Dickerson just because the Eagles fit is so, so good for him yeah. that I think he'll probably play left guard as a rookie, which mm-hmm. I don't think isn't is necessarily his best spot, but yeah. he'll be getting those reps. Jason Kelsey probably retires this year or next year. Slot him into center play your Isaac Samuel or whoever you want left guard. And now you've got Dickers in playing that center's position for 10 to 12 years. So as long as he's healthy, right, that's the big one. I do yeah. think that he can have a phenomenal rest of his career. It's hilarious. Cause our, our careers are literally the exact, exact same <laughs> one to three uh, dude. If Dara saw taps, if he becomes, um, I feel like a, a more polished pass protector, just kind of with his hands a little bit, mm-hmm. dude, that, that that's a, that's a top five tackle in football. I'm, I'm sorry. I know some people might think I'm overrating him a little bit. Yeah. I mean, the tools are there. The, yeah, yeah. Everything, everything's there for a tap. Yeah, I mean he's 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 a great athlete. He was a guy who, uh, whenever I was doing my mocks and stuff on social media, or, or you know for Rigo's Rag, uh, people were always like, "Oh, he's not going to be at nineteen. Oh, he's not going to be there. You're dumb. You know, this guy in the third. And then and you know he's there later in in the first round. And when Minnesota picked him up, I was like, "Yeah, that that was a home run." Mm-hmm. Uh, Sewell, I, I don't even think I need to even speak on him. Like we know. Um, and then Dickerson as well. Yeah, I agree with you one hundred percent. My best rookie season was going to be Sewell. Uh, I think Rashawn Slater will have a pretty solid year. Uh, mm-hmm. personally there is kind of a lot to prove because you know he missed a, a lot of a lot of time this past year uh, and then lastly like you mentioned Elijah Vera Tucker as well playing next to Beckton is going to be huge yeah like you mentioned as well with the media you know let's say the Jets you know they do a little bit better oh they post better numbers you know they stop giving as many, up as many sacks they're going to point to him you know they're yeah. gonna point and to I him. think Slater's I think Slater's got a good chance for that too yeah whereas the, we've always for years have talked about how bad the Chargers tackles are and everything mm-hmm. um and with Justin Herbert and that team being built pretty well they expect to contend for a playoff spot if they go nine and eight or ten and seven whatever it is and you know maybe even win a playoff game a lot of people are going to be like hey they brought in Rayshon Slater and this yep. happened so they just automatically correlate that yeah and and you know god bless him i mean hey yeah we're not i hope, mad he, I hope he plays well. yeah. right yeah i hope he plays yeah. well 
I mean, I hope he's really, really bad week one, but otherwise, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, hope, yeah. I, I hope he's awful week one. <laughs> yeah, five sacks, ideally. Yeah, five or six, seven, exactly. you know, eight. But, yeah, 100%, man. I, yeah, this and the NFL draft was just – it was awesome, bro. And, I mean, especially kind of looking at the, all these prospects, you know, you, you kind of salivate a little bit because you're just like, man, there's so much talent here. And mm-hmm. if these organizations kind of really, you know, develop these guys properly – man, this could be going down as one of the, you know, the greatest offensive line classes, you know. And what's crazy is I think last year's class, my so my biggest issue this year with the, mm-hmm. even when we talk about like Darsaw being a top five guy, right? Like Sue yeah. was like, yo, if this guy hits, this guy could be a top five Darsaw. Mm-hmm. I think Kozmi, you could make the claim that if he yeah. completely reaches his ceiling, he has that talent too. Um, my issue is like, I think you could also say the same for Jedrick Wills, Mecky Becton, and Tristan Wirsch from last year, right? Oh, mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. so now we've got six guys that I just listed who could be top five tackles in the NFL, right? So that's, what's crazy to me is that the talent in the last two drafts have been so stacked next year's class does not look as strong. We'll see. I actually get into that probably tomorrow night. My first, my first watch uh, or my second watch, my first offensive Mm -hmm. line watch for 2022. Mm -hmm. Um, But we'll see. I'm, I I do have concerns for next year's class comparative to these last two, but you're definitely right. The talent has been insane. Yeah, dude, I was a big Warps guy last year as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought when when Tampa Bay picked him up, I was like, "Wow, home run!" Right. Home yeah, run. Go, fig- go figure, he was an All Pro. <laughs> uh, let's transition to the Washington football team, my man. Uh, we're both Washington football team fans, you know. That's mm-hmm. ultimately kind of ca- how I got connected with you and your t- and your social media. Uh, let's transition transition from there from the NFL draft to the football team and kind of the state of their offensive line group and their 2021 NFL draft. Uh, with with you know the 2020 season in the rear view, you know Washington had a pretty stellar free agency free agency period. They had a pretty well-rounded draft. Who was your favorite and least favorite pick if you have one and why? Uh, so my favorite pick is the Deami Brown pick, just because I think that value was so, so good. Constantly talked about how I wanted them to continue to address the wide receiver position and really well, like round out that entire unit, which I think they did with him. I think he's such a great fit for what they want to do. I think he's going to be really, really productive this year, playing from both the inside and the outside. Um, and I think he's going to be probably their most consistent deep threat just via what they're going to ask him to do because yep. Curtis is going to line up everywhere. And Terry's still going to be your go-to guy. If you need five yards, you're going to Terry to give five yards. Whereas Diami, I think we'll probably see somewhere in that 17 to 20 yards per reception ratio. Mm-hmm. Um, just because Fitzpatrick is so set and consistently in his career has targeted number one and number two wide receivers dramatically more than anyone else on the team. Um, so I think Diami, it'll be a lot more. His touches will come down the field. My least favorite. So I learned a tough lesson last year. I'm never calling any D3 pick my least favorite or day three <laughs> pick my least favorite ever. It doesn't make sense. The The risk versus reward is not worth it. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, day three picks really don't, if they hit, you're really, really happy. If they miss, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't right? matter you're, not, yeah. you're not expecting it. So last year I'm like, you know what? I guess like, I don't really dislike any of these picks. Let me just say Cam Curl is my least favorite. Go figure. <laughs> that one bites me in the butt. Um, I had to go buy a Cam, jer- Cam Curl jersey because of that. Um, so, yeah. this, so I've decided I'm no longer, anytime I do these least favorites, um, I'm not doing day three picks. That leads me to Benjamin St. Juice. I don't think it was a bad pick. It yeah. was just my least favorite of the first four selections. I think there were probably, there were a couple corners that I preferred. And I think there was a little more, there was value to be had somewhere else. In my opinion, I think you could have gotten a good cornerback early in day three that gives you a kind of similar skill set to Benjamin St. Juice. So I'm not hating on the pick at all. It's just that I think there could have been better value. Um, I think this could definitely bite me in the butt as well, right? I think he could be a, he could develop into maybe starting boundary guy this year. If you really, you know, if everything clicks for him, I think more likely than not, I apologize. Um, he's going to sit most of this year. I would expect Fuller Jackson and um, 
Jimmy Moreland. Yeah, Jimmy Moreland, the people's corner. I can't believe I forgot that. His mom follows me on Twitter. <laughs> Hope she doesn't see that. But um, love Jimmy. I expect them to be the the starting trio. St. Juice will come in when guys need a breather or if we're on a four corner. Because what, what's really cool about St. Juice is if we're running a four corner set, Kendall Fuller is a phenomenal slot corner, right? He exactly. just also happens to be a very, very good boundary guy. So you got Jimmy Moreland and Kendall Fuller running on the insides with William Jackson, Benjamin St. Juice on the boundaries. And I, I really, really like that defense. Exactly. Yeah, no. And for me, my favorite pick personally was Jamin Davis. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll, I'll definitely pick up a BSJ later, but Jamin Davis is my favorite just because, man, I know, pre, you know, pre-draft, everything like that. I was constantly talking about him, tweeting about him, writing about him. And I was like, man, this dude, I understand that there's only one solid year, year of production, but uh, I was speaking with Ari Temkin in my last episode. And yeah, linebacker is a position, man, where you either got it or you don't, man. I think mm -hmm. you kind of learn out, you learn that pretty quickly. And I think with a guy like him, you saw, I mean, the traits pop off athletically, obviously, like we mentioned earlier, that gives you so much to work with. But the mental aspect of it, yeah, he needs to kind of work on getting skinny, you know, in between blocks, whatever. Uh, that's something that'll come with time. I mean, you're learning from two linebackers. Exactly. And JDR yep. and Ron Rivera. That's the big one. That's the yeah. big thing. And not only that, you know, he did, he did stellar work in coverage last year. So, yeah, Jamin Davis, I thought that was a home run. And I was pretty excited because I was like, man, I don't think – I don't know if they're going to pick him at 19, but I put on I put on social media, I was like, hey, give me that all day. Like, you know, I put that mm -hmm. like a month before. And when it came, I was like, you know what? Like, these guys, you know, yep. for lack of a better word, they got balls, man. They'll pick who they, – they'll pick. They, they, they pick who they think yes. is the best player. You are completely correct, yeah. 100%. And that's something that I was like, you know what? I can respect that, and that, and that made it that much more enjoyable. Mm -hmm. I it's, that it's, yeah, I'm happy to know there's conviction behind the pick, right? Exactly. It's not, it has not always been that way in Washington. Um, with the Dwayne Haskins pick, right? A lot of the mm -hmm. coaches weren't, weren't sold. A lot of the scouts weren't sold. And it's been the same way for some, you know, guys not saying that all the picks there, there was a conviction behind, yeah. but it sounds like the entire staff, the entire front office, everyone, even Dan Snyder, Jason Wright, and people who don't have say in this anymore, mm -hmm. where, where everyone was on board. This is who we're going to take. We're very, very happy. And, I, I completely agree. I think the night before was really when I was like, holy shit, it is going to be Jamin Davis. Um, we're, and I wasn't upset, right? And the thing is, yeah. I didn't have Jamin Davis as a top 20 player, right? Yeah. But I'm comfortable with the pig because like you said, with guys like Jack Del Rio, with guys like Ron Rivera, uh, the linebackers coach is a former NFL linebacker as well. Yeah. And then you're playing him behind Jonathan Allen, Matt Ioannidis, Deron Payne, Chase Young, Montez Sweat. You're playing him in front of Kendall Fuller, Jimmy Moreland, right? William yeah. Jackson, Landon Collins, Cam Kroll. So we're talking about read any scouting report from any draft analyst you want. It all says ceiling is through the roof. Physical profile is elite could be the best linebacker in the NFL one day. It's all some kind of variation of that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the thought process is, okay, if this dude develops, he could be an amazing linebacker. Exactly. What better place for, if there was ever a place for him to develop, if there was ever a place for him to hit that ceiling, it's in Washington. There was not a better fit for him. Um, I'm sure he's excited. I'm sure he knows oh, yeah. that too. And so I really do think, and, and what's cool too, is even if he's bad this year, nobody but Washington fans will know. Exactly. Um, so, so we'll be okay. Right. Cause he's going to, everyone else is going to think he's great. Cause he's going to be in that defensive rookie of the year conversation the entire season, because he's yep. just going to constantly eat up tackles. He's going to get some pass deflections, interceptions, force a couple of fumbles. Cause he's a high IQ guy. He's a smart dude, super athletic, right? It's just that the nuances of the position are what's in question. 
but luckily you don't really have to be that nuanced when you're playing. I mean, we had John Bostic playing like 80% yeah. of linebackers snaps last year, right? Who's going to yep. tell me John Bostic's nuanced and athletic. <laughs> so it, it's, he's in, in such a good position that at the end of the day, I think it was, you can make the claim that, yeah, it was maybe a little bit of a reach on the player, but if you're reaching, knowing that you think he's going to be 80% of what he could be, 80% of what he could be is still an, a sub all pro level player. Exactly. And so I'm, I'm very comfortable with, with the selection. I'm, I'm very, I'm happy with the selection, right? There was no, I wasn't upset at all. I love Darsaw. Everyone knows I love Darsaw, but at the end of the day, they were, there was conviction behind the pig. They knew who they wanted. They took who they wanted. And I'm excited to see what he does. And I'd argue too, kind of with the, with the depth at tackle, although, you know, we yeah. both agree Darsaw could be, you know, a top five tackle. And I don't sure. think they expected Jeremiah was Cormo to yeah. potentially be at their next pick, right? Yeah. Or was at their next pick. So it's hard to, because people like to play that card too. Like, oh, we should have gone Darius on JOK. Well, you don't know that JOK is going to go there, exactly. right? You thought that we should have taken JOK in 19. Yeah. So, I, I mean, even for me, I was like, I thought Elijah Molden is going in the second round. Elijah Molden yeah, right. is getting picked, at the, you know, close to the end of the third. And I'm yeah, like, yeah, wow. you, you just <laughs> never know with these guys. <laughs> but yeah. And for me, you know, my least favorite, I'm not going to say I had a least favorite because, like you mentioned too, I'm not, I wasn't mad at any, you know, day three. Yeah, pick, exactly. And nor, and nor should you be like, Oh, that pick was terrible. You the know, people that, who are upset with the long snapper pick of the, or, yeah. or, I was like, yo, yeah, I was like, it's a long snap. Yeah, like, right, right. And you get a 10 year starter for a six round <laughs> pick. That's a great value. Yeah. And his last name is Cheeseman. Yeah, exactly. Talk about the jerseys on that. Like, right, relax. Right. Like, I'm lactose intolerant and I have to cop one of those. <laughs> yeah. And, I, and that's what I say. Like, for me, like, the only one that I would say was like interesting was BSJ just because, mm-hmm. um, I'm, I, you know, I wrote about him a little bit this year and I thought it was interesting because his player profile, I mean, he's a big corner. He's a long corner. Yep. Uh, and he does give you that size, you know, like you mentioned too, like Kendall Fuller can kind of slide into the inside. You can play him outside. Hey, that's a pretty, pretty dang good, you know, secondary you yep. got there. Um, but I wouldn't even say that. I, I just didn't like it. It was just interesting. I was like, wow, they really yeah. picked him. Like, okay. Uh, the Diami Brown one, I was pleasantly surprised because I was kind of worried, uh, you know, reading Kime and reading JP Finley, they're talking about how, you know, they don't really value wide receiver as a huge need, right? Yeah, that's you know, what I was need. concerned about, yeah, 100%. And and I was like, oh, no, like, and I'm, t- and I'm, I've been tweeting about Diami. I'm like, man, you know, whoever gets him, like, I'm telling well, yeah, you. Yeah, when they passed on him at 74, I was sick. Yeah. That, that was like, that was like the nasty taste of it, because that's what I wanted at 74. And then, dude, and then you, you read today, he just kills it in, in the, you know, Of course, there. go figure. And I'm now, like, Troy oh, Apke was covering him, yeah. so I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, okay, 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 we'll, okay, okay. <laughs> I'll back off a little bit. Uh, but no, I'm definitely <laughs> excited. Yeah, that that Deami Brown pick, BS, uh, BSJ, like I said, that wasn't really a bad pick. There wasn't something mm-hmm. where you were like, like, you know, hate to pick on him, but like an Alex Leatherwood. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. If they took Leatherwood at 19, I would have been actively yeah, upset. I would have been like, yeah, I'm not digging that. <laughs> exactly. Or they drafted Kyle Trask anywhere. Would have been pissed. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, like that was something that I was talking with some with uh, Ari Temkin last time uh, on my last episode was, like, you know, we're talking about Trask. And I was like, no, nah, I wasn't really feeling like drafting. Uh, I don't think they should have drafted a Trask because, man, the hit rate on those second round quarterbacks, those late quarterbacks mm-hmm. is pretty low. Not only that, too, I didn't see a franchise quarterback when you Yeah, with down. Trask, right? I think – uh, right, go, go ahead. No, no, no. So <laughs> – No, I was saying, I was just like, I don't think – I think drafting a quarterback, just to draft a quarterback, is kind of what it would come off as. I don't think mm-hmm. – you know. So maybe I could be wrong in that aspect, but – So for me, for the, like the day two, early day three guys, mm-hmm. um, my, my opinion is, yes, the hit rates are astronomically low – I think if you're in a position where you can afford to make that extra, like had they taken Kellen Mond or Davis Mills instead of Benjamin St. Juice, I wouldn't have been upset, right? Not that I don't like, again, not that I don't, not to pick on him at all, not that I don't like Benjamin St. Juice, but just you have that extra third round pick, you are a quality football team. Um, 
that makes sense to me because the value that you get from that player being even a starting caliber quarterback is astronomical because worst case scenario, even if you trade that quarterback away, you're getting more value from him than you spent on him, right? You're going to get a second round pick. You're going to get a first round pick, depending on who it is. Sam Bradford went for a first round pick, right? So you, you yeah. just never know. Um, if you get a Dak Prescott, if you get a, even a Kirk Cousins, a Russell Wilson, right? Yeah. That one in the 1000s, you completely changed your franchise without giving up anything. Um, so that's where I kind of find the value, but I do agree with who you're selecting has to be the big thing. It's you can't just yeah. take a quarterback to take a quarterback. Like you said, that's perfectly stated. You can't just take Kyle Trask because you want to hope that he's a franchise quarterback. I didn't see anything from Kyle Trask that led me to believe he was a franchise quarterback. Yeah. Jamie knew or not Jamie Newman. I, I didn't even like Jamie Newman that much. <laughs> um, I really like, so Kellen Mond and Davis Mills were the two guys in day, day two where I was like, I would accept either of these players in the third round just because, they have the tools requisite and they showed enough on film at times to lead me to believe that they're not going to crumble. They're not going to shy away that they have the tools to be a successful quarterback. If they, you know, if everything works for them, we'll see if they do. I imagine that one of Trask Mills or Mond is a starting quarterback here in the next couple of years, just because that's kind of how these things always play out. But we'll see. I'm, I'm comfortable. I'm glad with the picks that Washington made, right. I'm, I'm okay that they didn't take a day two quarterback just because Kyle Allen and Taylor Heineke kind of provide you the same thing uh, that a day two quarterback gives you maybe a guy who starts down the line, maybe not. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I don't hate the idea of it as long as there's quality logic behind it. Right. If you gave yeah. a quarterback a round two or round three grade and you take them in that position, you think they could be a starter down the road by all means. Now, obviously, Tampa Bay thinks that Kyle Trask could be a starter. I just don't agree with what Tampa Bay thinks. <laughs> and I got a couple more for you, brother, before we mm. kind of finish this off with the Grizzlies talk. Uh, second round pick Sam Cosby, you know, someone that we both really liked. Um, you know, since then, Washington's released, you know, Morgan Moses, a Jerron Christian. You saw, you know, Cosby sliding on the right side. Uh, you know, where, are you, where do you stand on, you know, the releasing and, the, you know, the releasing of both Moses and Christian? And what do you, you know, what is the testament to Cosme being able to slide in there? You know, what do you think that means? You know, what is, what, you know, from outside's perspective, you know, what are we getting here? Yeah, I think with them dropping Moses and Jerron, it's more indicative of Ron trying to flush out the old regimen and bring in his own, as well as just like you said, how high they probably are on Cosme and how, how well they view him. They think that worst case scenario as a rookie, Cosme is playing a very high quality swing tackle role for you coming in on either spot whenever you would need him. Uh, but I also think it means that they're very comfortable with what Cornelius Lucas can do on either side. I think Lucas, I think Luke played really, really good football last year. And, and I think with Charles Leno too, you don't really lose all that depth. I'm sure you saw Sadiq Charles was in the left tackle today yep. with yep. the starting unit because Leno wasn't there. Mm -hmm. Um I don't expect that to be a thing, but let's say Charles dominates in camp and randomly now he's your left tackle. Now you've just got a phenomenal tackle depth continued and he mm -hmm. has the ability to play guard, right? I'm sure one of Leno, Lucas, or Kozmi could play guard. They would just be tall as hell. Um, <laughs> but you, you've just got so much great depth on that spot that I think with Moses and with Drawn, it's just more get these guys out while we bring in our own guys. Um, and I don't think it's a, a major drop-off. I think Moses to whoever's going to play right tackle is probably a bit of a drop-off this year. But theoretically, like we said, if Kozmi does find that footing and he's just the long-term right tackle, whether or not that's what they want to do, then maybe he is and maybe that's an upgrade. So you just never know. Um, I don't think Moses was outright substantially better than Lucas was last year on the left side. I just don't know that Lucas can be a star right tackle or, or can be a quality right tackle for an entire season. Cause I've never seen it. Right. But I also didn't think yeah. he could do that at the left side and he proved me wrong last year. Yep. 
Yeah, no, I think it was a fine move. I wasn't, you know, losing my mind over it. And I know a lot of Washington fans were kind of like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe Morgan, you know, this, that, and the third. But, um, I mean, hypothetically, if, if Cosme's really shown something in camp, and I mean, why not? I mean, you save money mm-hmm. this year. I mean, you know, next year the dead cap was nothing, literally $0. Uh, so I don't really see the big deal with it. And like you mentioned, if it is a culture thing, you know, and they're kind of out with the in or out with the old in with the new, I mean, I don't see why not. I mean, it's worked to yeah. this point so far. You know what I mean? Exactly. Got to gotta ride with the coach, ride with his vision, ride with what Ron's thinking. I also think that apparently the Morgan and Trent thing, them being so close, probably plays into the factor a little bit. Um, yeah. But at the end of the day, I don't think it's a big deal. I don't think Washington fans should be making a big deal. I think it becomes a big deal if we get into week eight or nine of the season mm-hmm. and we're going, yo, our right tackle is such a big issue. Yeah, That's when we're looking back and we're like, but hindsight's twenty twenty. Right now, I think the logic, I think they, they've used sound logic as to why. I would have preferred, I, I find it really hard to believe that they couldn't have gotten like even a late day three pick for Moses. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it, it's not the end of the world. They let him go find a spot that they wanted that he wants to be at wherever he'll wherever that'll be right we'll find out yeah. um and with the drawn thing it's it's whatever right they got they brought in <laughs> cosme it's that dude's not playing anywhere i mean yeah. he's gonna play in texas but he's not playing for us yeah uh you know I, I feel like to cap off the washington football portion uh we're talking about offensive linemen i, mm-hmm. I feel like we have to kind of get this into the universe and get your opinion on it you know we're dug into the trenches and before we close this chapter i gotta ask you what should washington do with brandon sheriff and you got to trade him, I think. So this is the mm-hmm. issue is, I don't know, bro. It's so hard. Like, I'd love to give him a long-term <laughs> extension, but I don't want to pay him 18. Right? Yeah. So I, don't, so I don't know. It just depends. Like, I would – best case scenario is he's getting a $16 million average for the next four years to play in Washington. That is the best case scenario in my yep. mind. I agree. I just don't – I don't imagine that's going to happen anymore. I don't even think he'll be traded. My best guess is after this year, he walks in free agency, they recoup a third-round yeah. comp pick in yeah. two years. Right? So – yeah. I think they played the situation wrong, but it is what it is. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, man, 18 million is a lot. I mean, hyper, so I mean, and I don't mean to be disrespectful. That's a lot to pay for a guard. You know yeah, what I so mean? Yeah, so I agree. So I'm I'm very, like, pro guards are undervalued, mm-hmm. but I'm definitely, like, I, I would pay an elite tackle 2022. Like, yeah. Trent got, yes. what, 21? Yeah. So I'm not, Brandon Scherf is not three, is not $3 million less valuable than yeah. Trent Williams <laughs> is in my mind. Yeah. It's just that, man, it's just, it's and it's a money thing it's also like if the rumors are true that they did offer a deal that made him the highest paid guard whether it's for a couple of seasons or or this that and the third it's kind of tough to kind of you know Mm -hmm. be on the side of sheriff hypothetically because man if washington did offer you that and you declined it well it's kind of like they you know they did all they could and if it does yeah exactly exactly yeah if something Um, happens and have to move on i mean and, and it'll be interesting. I'm sure we'll eventually get the details mm-hmm. um, about what's gone down. But at the end of the day, if he walks, he walks. I don't think there will be any bad, bad blood. The biggest priority is now just what are we going to do at right guard? Is that Charles's spot now? Is that Eric Flowers' spot now? Right. So we'll, we'll yeah. find out. I think the team is well built to sustain that. But I mean, we're gonna, we're definitely going to find out soon. Already, brother. Let's end this on a, on something a little different, man. Let's finish talking. You know, let's talk about your favorite team, the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, going into the season, you know, you knew Jaron Jackson was going to be out for some time. Uh, you know, Justice Winslow was probably going to be coming back on slowly. Uh, you saw Jaw go down early as well. What were you thinking early on when your two best players went down? I was sitting right here when I wasn't even 100%. So the Jaron situation was crazy because yeah. we were like watching – or sorry, Memphis fans were like, oh, we're going to get him back by the All-Star break, and then we're mm-hmm. going crazy. We got him back with like six games left yeah. in the season. Like that sucked. Yeah. We, we were – 
I don't want to say we were misinformed, but they just kept us in the dark for so long that the Memphis fans really had no idea what was going on. I was sitting right here when Ja twisted his ankle, and instantly I was like, 2021 NBA mock drafts, or 2022 NBA mock drafts. I was like, Cade Cunningham's coming to Memphis. Let's go. I was so excited. Um, then we ended up winning a bunch of games while Ja was gone, and I was like pretty on the fence on whether or not we were going to make it. Then we got on this really, really hot streak grabbed that a seed and i was like oh we got this <laughs> and then when we were playing golden state for the a seed i was like man we're about to wipe the floor with them like we're so like we're just deeper than they are yeah. and of course of course we can't score at all uh and steph is just doing well actually dylan Burks was pretty good on Steph, but we just couldn't yeah. score then we get to that playing game my heart was pounding out of my chest everything was crazy but it was just i'm i'm just happy i am where i am i'm happy the team <laughs> is where they are right now but it was definitely a roller coaster to get here yeah, the, the Grizzlies were man. There's someone just because I love John Moran a lot. I love his game. Like I remember one of the one of the first tweets we interacted with. I was talking about how man, he reminds me a little bit of like a Derrick Rose man. And mm-hmm. D Rose was one of my favorite players. Love D Rose growing up. Exactly. And so my I'm first talking, pair of basketball shoes were a pair of D Roses. Yeah, those and those first ones were nasty. The black and red ones. Yeah, were the they ones don't I had, They were crazy. Yeah, yeah, they were crazy. I wore them with a purple uniform. Didn't make any sense, <laughs> but I looked crazy. Bro, the kids don't know nothing about the D Rose <laughs> ones, man. They know nothing. But I'm D Rose was different, right? They know Knicks yeah. playoff six man D Rose. Yeah. Oh, they don't know D. They don't. They know Derrick Rose. They don't know D Rose. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Youngest MVP ever. Come on now. But let's close about John Morant, man. He's an amazing player. You know, the very high ceiling. Um, you know, do you feel like he has the potential to be a top five point guard in the NBA? Listen, I think he's close now. I think it's dependent on the term like point that. guard, right? I think it's dependent on the term point guard, um, uh-huh. right? If you talk, if you, we're talking about guys like Steph who are scorers first, right? Mm-hmm. The the tradition, like the one has yeah. become very, very loose nowadays. Um, mm-hmm. In terms of just a dual threat, pa- carrying the offensive load is both a passer and scorer. Mm-hmm. I really do think that it's like CP3 and then – this like area right if we're yeah. not including guys like dame steph's james harden like score yeah. first dudes Kyrie. um if we're just talking about guys who are running the offense through them with their ability to, to pass i really think that cp3 is the, the only dude who i'm like he is substantial he's he's obviously better than john moran and what they are doing yeah um if that shot starts to fall though dude if he can get that three to like a 35 percent, just a league average oh my goodness he'll be it's scary he'll yep, be scary scary and, um, and I saw you too, that mid-ranger, if he can get, if he can get that pull up that right around that free throw line, right around the elbows, if he can get that to start falling, he just doesn't because he's so, he's so vertically gifted, mm-hmm. um, that it really is floaters, layups or posters. Like, that's what he's going for. He sees it in his eyes. You see it in his eyes when he turns that corner. Um, yeah. plus the Grizzlies play with so many, when Jaron and just, or when Jaron and Jonas are on the field, they're both like true seven footers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's just hard to like, with that pull up jumper it's, it's hard to get around there sometimes but yeah we'll see i think the biggest thing is if jaren gets a shot back jaws numbers are going crazy because he's not he's not the sole focus nowadays exactly and i was telling one of my homeboys that actually like about three weeks ago before you know before the playoffs mm-hmm. i was like just wait till jaren kind of gets back into it i was like Jaws yeah, gonna be he's still numbers. he's still struggling but yeah. um oh yeah the, the other night you know he looked kind of rough you know yeah yeah exactly like he's but they have to play him because even if they don't win this series the, the idea of the playoffs, just making the playoffs is huge for them because they're oh, yeah. a young team. They're rebuilding. They have picks. They have cash. They're not worried about going and competing for a top three pick to get another superstar. They don't need that. They want this experience. Exactly. Um, so this is big for Ja. This is big for Jaron. And if everyone stays healthy, we can get into next year, right? Jaron's shooting 40% from three again, providing you a, an off-ball scoring threat. Ja's going to be in that all-star conversation in the West, which is loaded. Exactly. 100%. And yeah, Ja Morant. 
The ceiling's very, very high, man. It's someone that I really, really love. I love talking about is, you know, the Tony Parker layup package. Uh, yeah, he has a lot of upside, man, and especially if the pull-up mid-range comes, the pull-up three, because the spot-up three's there. He can yeah, yeah, he can, he's just super volatile. Like he'll go, yeah. like we saw, he'll go five of seven on one night and then he'll go like one for four and yeah. I'm, or, or he'll go like over oh six. And I'm just like, yo, you really can't shoot. But then the next day I'll be like, all right, I guess you can. So it's yeah. crazy. I've never seen a player so hot or cold. Now, bright side, dude is different in pressure games. Dude is just, yeah. compl- I've never seen a dude just flip a switch with ice. Um, exactly. Yep. Saw last year against Portland. Uh, this year against Golden State, this year against the Jazz again is just like I've ne- I've never seen that just killer mentality, especially from a dude who's just so quiet. He really doesn't do much. Like he's just he just exists. But on that court, he's definitely a different dude. Playoff twelve is crazy. Exactly. Yeah, that's a fact. And I think I think that's what where we're gonna end it, man. I think word, 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 that'll, word. that'll do it, man. Twelve is just different, man. So I want to I want to thank you very much for sitting down with me and taking the time out of the day to talk some football, talk some Grizz. Uh, go ahead right now. Feel free to plug whatever it is you got going on uh, where the fans can find you, everything like that. First and foremost, everything starts on Twitter. We love getting down. I love talking to everyone. Please go follow me, interact with me, respond to my tweets. If you say something dumb, I will tell everyone. Uh, but if you say <laughs> something funny, I'll tell everyone too. I do got your back. Um, I'm doing working on some YouTube content, trying to learning how to edit videos and whatnot to make sure that I can push out the best product as possible. Taking the summer scouting a little bit slow, so I'm not going to be doing a ton at PFN over the summer just because I, I haven't been a big fan over the last couple of summers of just kind of grinding out draft grades for prospects and then just having to redo that after the season. Yeah. Um, so I'm kind of taking things slow, just enjoying my summer. It, it's going to be a fun one. So I'm excited, but definitely just check me out on Twitter and you'll be able to find everything through that. And yeah, thank you all for tuning in. You know, this is episode five of the Dame's Dropback podcast, and I'll be checking in with y'all again very soon. Peace. Mm-hmm.